Welcome to People from the Program, a podcast highlighting alumni from the NYU Music Business Program. Welcome everyone to People from the Program, the podcast that highlights the career journeys of alumni from the NYU Music Business Program. I'm your host, Bryce, founder and chairman of the NYU Music Business Alumni Network and a proud alum myself of the NYU Music Business Program. So our guest for today's show is Jalon Brown, a music operations specialist at YouTube. Jalon, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. You know, Jalon is my first um, podcast interview for for the program, for the people from the program podcast. And, you know, Jalon, I've we've, we've been friends for a little bit and I was excited to get you on and speak with you. I think your career journey has been so interesting as you've worked music, data, emerging technologies, like all of the cool things that people are doing now <laughs> when it comes from a data standpoint in music you're involved in. So I'm excited to have you on. Thanks for doing this. I'm excited to be the first. It can only get better from here, right? <laughs> yeah, it can only get, you know, it's going to be great. It'll get, and it'll get even better. So that's all good. Um, all right. So why don't we start, you know, let's start with the most basic question. Okay. Tell us the listener, what a music operations specialist is and what that role does at YouTube. Uh, funny enough, um, it, there are several individuals with the term, but we all have different type of responsibilities. For those on my team, which is the music content operations, um, we all oversee a product operations domain to help with efficiency, scaling, uh, operational support for various, well, basically all the products across the music platform. Um, I myself, I oversee a vendor team where we support products and various features such as charts, artist analytics, some shorts features. Um, yeah, we just help with the quality and keeping our content correct. Yeah, that sounds like a huge undertaking because YouTube has so much content. <laughs> so, no, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a ongoing battle every day to try to move the dial, you know, a bit closer to perfection and something that's continuously moving. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. So thank you for that breakdown. We're all definitely a lot smarter from hearing that, that <laughs> explanation. So let's, let's take it back and go with kind of uh, the first question dealing with the music business program. Tell me about your specific journey on how you found the music business program and how you ended up coming to the program. Um, so I, I was heavily into music um, as many of us were. And I studied piano in undergrad. Um, I was at the University of Kentucky at the time. And um, I knew during my graduate under, under, uh, graduate program that I didn't um, want to be a performer. But, <laughs> but oh. my parents were very adamant about sticking it through. So I stayed a music major. And oh. once I graduated, yeah. I didn't really know what to do. I was wondering, okay, what can I do with a music degree? Um, an ex of mine um, 
or President X at that time, uh, when I graduated, um, he was doing a, starting a startup around like 3D printing and things like that. Anyways, I thought it was fascinating how he just like built a business out of nowhere. <laughs> and that was startling me. I was like, you can do that. So um, I saw this business certificate because I you knew he studied economics, which was new to me at the time. I, so much I didn't know then. Um, I was like, okay, I'll start with the certificate. And once I did that, I was like, oh, I kind of like business. And so in my mind, I thought I really had to stay with music. Not that I didn't like it. I liked it, but like I, I didn't understand that people pivot careers from all types of backgrounds all the time. Mm -hmm. So I thought I had to stick. <laughs> so um, <laughs> NYU was one of the few, you know, uh, graduate programs that ever existed on music business. And um, it was the best one, if you ask me. And so that's what I applied to. And I got it. And, uh, you know, I went there in hopes to find a career in music business that do a little bit of both and see what the options were. Excellent. So wait a minute, let me get this straight now. You are a classically trained pianist. Yes. Yes. So a class, this might be the first time we hear a classically trained pianist says, you know what? I don't want to be a performer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make that pivot. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, what well, we all know, performing is stressful. And um, I didn't have the type of parents that were you know, these type of helicopter, e like eagle type parent. So mm -hmm. I, I had always done music, choirs, bands, you know, um, plays, musicals, that sort, because I enjoyed it. <laughs> and once I got to the collegiate level, it was, it was a different type of animal. Right, and right. it was just a lot of pressure. And quite frankly, I don't, I still have not met other black classically trained um, <laughs> females. So, you know, I was just <laughs> a sore thumb out there and, you know, whether I was good enough or not, you know, the t it was a lot of just pressure of doing the program, pressure of different comments I would get from various people. And, you know, uh, it's, it's just, you know, what comes with a competitive nature, you know, innately and then being somewhat easily to point out as different you know you just have this right. extra i don't know microscope microscope to like i want to say to be perfect per se you could look at it that way but at the very least people are always curious if you're the same you know and i think right. you get that often when you're the other <laughs> yes yes absolutely i know that very well so so then based on what you just said when you you know so you have this experience classically trained pianist uh, coming into the program you go through the program do you have a favorite and, and if you don't totally fine do you have a favorite class from the program that you took that was just like oh this class really i, I really got into it like i really liked this thing that we did um for my undergrad studies or music um uh, for, for the music business program music business um you know, I, funny is how really digging into courses, but, but digging in from my level of digging into a course, uh, I really enjoyed our entrepreneurship courses. Uh -huh. um, there was one through the Steinhardt program um, that I enjoyed, but there was another one that I was able to do uh, 
through our Stern courses. And I really enjoyed that. Um, I find it fascinating how you have to pitch the business. But yeah, I think it's just really pitching the business because I think there's a whole business around trying to get the business off of the ground, right? Versus right. if the business is actually a good business, you know, <laughs> right. it's two different skills going on at the same time. So um, I think it's just interesting to me because, you know, I, I want to say I still don't really care for sales, but like just, I think I've learned if you want to be an entrepreneur, listen, you got to learn how to sell yourself. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. And then I think, I mean, I always have this thought that people that come into our program on some level have a very entrepreneurial spirit to them because the business Definitely. itself is entrepreneurial in a lot of ways. Definitely. So, yeah. So that really resonates with me. Um, okay. So then, you know, taking that idea, when you go through the program, you know, you're, you know, taking your entrepreneurship classes, you got the music space. If you had to pick kind of one main takeaway that you got from the program, when it was all said and done, what would it be? Like, what do you feel you, you walked away with like, okay, you know what, this one thing has stuck with me as I've gone through this process. Yeah, yeah just any one takeaway. Yeah. yeah I... <laughs> let's say networking um i think like if i were to compare people who went through the music business program to other colleagues i work with now and that went through other um concentrations of education even though it was i think business in general was kind of networking i think there is an exasperation in the creative space because there's just always this communal like underbelly to it. And even when I wasn't intently trying uh, to network, I think just the way our classes were, they were like that. You know, people wanted to collaborate on music, let's say, or whatever, um, just from the jump. And I think similarly, the type of people that are in our class are I would I wouldn't say everybody's an extrovert, but I think on average more extroverted than what you would find in other classes. And so I think to be in those communal spaces, you kind of had to like speak up a little, you know. Um, or at least that's how I saw it. Being someone I think used to or more often um, lean toward the introverted side. And I think even though I didn't think much of it then, just being comfortable with being uncomfortable in such spaces and talking and just being social. I think that type of skill, it, I'm learning that it's great to have and you know, definitely a must now when we think about progressing through our careers in general, whatever um, industry you're in. So. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think too, that type of that type of mindset really just frames the way we go through and try to connect with with people and bring value to each and every relationship yeah. um, that we meet, particularly from a business standpoint. So when you talk about the, the networking side and just how you're shifting from being the, the artist, if you will, classically trained pianist mm -hmm. to now this program, when, it, when it's all said and done, 
what was that first job kind of that you got out of the program um, when you graduated? Was it something that you you really were like, okay, I've got a mindset. I, I want to pursue and start getting on the path of what we talked about earlier about data mm-hmm. and those type of things, or was it just something like, hey, I need my, I need a job. Let me go ahead and take this. Yeah, I think it was more the latter. Mm-hmm. It was more, I need a job. And based on the skills I've collected so far, what was available to me, um, I was working throughout our program and a lot of my first gigs were contract and temp work. And I was working with a temp agency. There's a lot of stuff you won't even see on my resume. But um, I, I leveraged a lot of that. Um, and uh, I think because of just how it's, you know, how I think a lot of recruiters in that space, they lean, or just in general, I guess, they lean into what you experience you already have. <laughs> and so I got more attention for the stuff that I was already doing. And I think along the way, I started to learn about other roles and uh, it took some time because uh, one thing I faced was, you know, several times it it seems like you don't know what you're doing is what I've heard before, which, you know, has its pros and cons, which there's Mm -hmm. some truth to, but also it's just like, you know, it's dependent on opportunities you're given, you know? (laughs) Um, And if you got to pay some bills, sometimes I got to take the one that's here. Um, sorry, I'm a little going on a little tangent, but yeah, no, the no, right. very beginning, it was very much so I, I need a job. I think the only thing that I could, for the most part, stick to is that it was in the music space, you know, but yeah. I was able to do that because a lot of my first jobs, I was doing two jobs at a time, at the same time. So um, I was able to make that happen. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, it's so it's so interesting. So if we if we go back kind of to that first job sticking on that topic. Mm-hmm. So you started out, you know, at at BMG yeah. in, in in royalties, mm-hmm. which you know, has its own kind of when I think of data um and rights, you know, it sits in that space. Right. But it is so it's almost like foundational to me to a lot of the work that you've done. So why don't we kind of start there? Take me through. Okay, you have this job, start at BMG. How do we get from BMG? And I know this is kind of a larger question, but how do we get from BMG to now music operations specialist at YouTube? Yeah, um, good question. So I actually started in. master's administration so but still very data heavy and uh because i um, i can't remember i think it was like a subset called bug music at that point um because it was a smaller sector they also had us doing royalties (laughs) while we were the uh, master's administrators as well and so i got some training then there and yeah, I learned, I, I I guess that was the first time I really got more into data. And I think at that time we were also taking classes or had classes with, um, yes. there was a data class where we learned all these skills. And so I got to use um, some of that. I was excited about that. So I wanted to move toward royalties. And, you know, <laughs> I think during that time, even though I didn't know exactly where I wanted to go, <laughs> I don't know where I picked this up from, but you know, the, the term of follow the money. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I was like, listen, where are they counting the money? 
<laughs> and in, yes, and in publishing, they are counting the money. This is actually for the listeners. This is where you and I met. Yeah, we were both working at BMG mm-hmm. at the time. <laughs> so I was like, yes. I'll be over there so I can figure some things out. <laughs> you know. Uh, so I think yeah, that was great because I you know I got some quantitative experience there, um, some light work there. And uh, from there, I think uh, in the music industry, a lot of people don't have royalty specific experience, not to say it's that rare, but um, not as common. So I think people started just hitting me up once they could find that they could type in royalties, you know, (laughs) and I'll come up. Yeah, they're like she knows she knows royalties. We know we can count right. on right. <laughs> and so um, I got a tent gig at uh, Apco Music and Records. Um, worked there. From there, I wanted to try something different because at that point, I was pretty much kind of doing the same thing and just going there and um, try a little bit of marketing. There was some data in that as well, so that was nice. And uh, you know. Um, you're working for M Theory, correct? Yes, I was working for M Theory for a small marketing yeah. role there. Um, I mean, that position was fine, but like as I've grown over time, I, I've never really cared for marketing. It's not for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> you want the, the money and the data, the sales and the marketing, you leave to somebody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just bring it all in. I'll count it myself. Give it to me. <laughs> right. Absolutely. The data will tell me if it's correct. If <laughs> you give me that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, from there, and there's lots of other roles um, in between. I remember I was doing some. I then got some like data roles for some sm- small startup. I think it was called like Data Dog. I don't even remember. <laughs> Just some really odd temp jobs around data. I I, I did some stuff at Models. And I think like that data thing just really stick (laughs) with people. Um, And then, uh, you know, you remember our former, he also was with us at BMG, Marcus Moore. Uh, Yes. Yeah. He reached out to me about Source 3. And Source 3 was this uh, music tech startup that worked with a lot of um, IP content, um, uh, intellectual property stuff. And... um, it was created by former YouTubers, actually, in fact, um, that left and made their own thing. Um, I started with them. I started contracting with them as a data analyst, a music researcher, they say. And uh, I guess I got in just in time because shortly later they got acquired. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think I, I think by the time I got acquired, I also had a gig at Columbia artist as a contract manager, just leveraging, you know, these temp stuff. I was just trying to get work. Um, and then I moved full time with them once they got acquired. Well, they asked me back, I should say. <laughs> they got acquired with Curious And they were like, okay, we're this full time. And that's really what yeah. set it off for me in the tech space. So they got acquired by Facebook or Meta now, then Facebook. Yes. Um, once Meta, once Meta acquires you, then then it starts to go. Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah, I, I worked there for two years, and um, again, this really just pushed me into the content um, 
management space, there was lots of data maintenance there and quality. And that's where a lot of that quality efforts that I work with came in. Right. Um, and yeah, that was a good time then. I was able to get promoted, you say, to a lead analyst, lead music researcher there. Um, and uh, once my time up was there, after a few years, I picked up a gig at Spotify. Again, at this point, recruiters were calling me. So I was just looking for something at that point, like data analyst, again, just to leverage my analytical skill, get it better. Cause I still at this point hadn't had any type of formal training or anything like that. And I didn't feel right. like I had any experience that explicitly said like, well, maybe that first one, but like explicitly was like, and eh, like quantitative, you know? And I just wanted to like solidify that because you know we're hearing data, data, data. That's the cool thing. That's what the money is, <laughs> et cetera. So right. I was just like, I just need something that just inked that in place. And um, so I was just looking for those type of roles and someone reached out to me about this um, temp to perm position. Um, and I held that at Spotify, got that. That was nice um, and really interesting. Um, again, working with, content management this was one was slightly different and that we were looking at looking at it from the lens of uh more of a business risk mm -hmm. whereas before at facebook it was more under operations kind of like mm, maybe a product operations i mean that team has since restructured and stuff but at the time so you can get an idea whereas spotify it was technically under the financial engineering department so we were monitoring content that was risky um, to the platform at large. And for me, that was in um, fraudulent streams. So we were analyzing activity there to uh, assess, assess what was fraudulent, what was not, you know, create um, operational processes around how to not quantify or count those streams and, you know, make those payouts, save revenue, X, Y, Z. Jalon, real quick, not to interrupt, but I always say, and please correct me on this, um, I always say that Spotify is not a music company, it's a data company. I definitely think so. <laughs> I, or both, you know, music data company. I don't know. Both. <laughs> music data company, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you could say it's like a Nielsen. <laughs> exactly. So, Nielsen. Yep. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I think a lot of these tech companies are kind of like that. And I'll just say um, Spotify is that because it's just focused on music. But these tech companies, it's 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 heavily about the data. And I mean, other people can comment on this than I. But like, I feel compared to your traditional music avenues of work, like your big labels and stuff like that, where I'm going to say like they're not adventurous or that they're adventurous, but like you, I think you really in the tech space have to back it up with data, <laughs> you know, like the larger Google org or the larger Facebook org may not get the understanding of how big this trend is or important this artist is or this culture thing is until you can back it up with some sound data. Whereas maybe, you know, I imagine you can go to your, music labeling kind of, not that you don't put work behind it, but pitch it in a different type of light, maybe that's not so analytically focused and more about the experience. 
or I, in my experience, that's not been how you would approach it at a tech company. So yes, very data. Right. Absolutely. Cause in your, in your space, we're just in a lot of these spaces in general, the, you, you still need the instinct piece, mm -hmm. but you better be coming with, with the data that can back Right. Up. Exactly. Yeah. So then you're able to take that from the Spotify standpoint and then an old familiar face comes a calling, I guess. So talk about that. <laughs> oh yeah. So <laughs> what happened there was actually COVID, unfortunately. Um, my, um, my, uh, my opportunity to stay there long-term got rescinded. Uh, so I was looking for work. Um, and I, uh, I did some upscaling programs in between and another opportunity at, back at Facebook came open and, um, <laughs> Yeah, this one was analytical, but I think what they really uh, needed at that time for me was just someone who was, I guess, at this point, skilled at like content management. And uh, they really needed some processes implemented so that they can help onboard individuals quicker, you know, help with payments again going back to those royalty experience, you know, like I've done payments. I actually had some slightly contract experience. So I was also reading contracts at that point um, because this new role was under uh, the business development department actually um, this time. And uh, so that's how I supported them there. And that was a great team. Um, I really enjoyed that space. Um, yeah, <laughs> compared to the, like the content uh, management team at Facebook or then um, Facebook, you know, it was great, but like the BD team, they're different animals. And I'm kind of going with tangent. I think one thing I really like about my computer experience is working all these different functional type of roles in like the same industry, because like, it's kind of funny, the type of people they bring in, it's almost and maybe they have to be that way, of course, for the role, the job. But I feel like there is some element of like character types <laughs> that they tend to, uh, different roles tend to, I guess, um, attract more. And so anyways, <laughs> just to see the juxtaposition, how I'm back at the same company, but different team and uh, just ways of working. It's really right. interesting. Right, right, right. And then once they, once they see your, your skill and capacity, um, and, you know, in the area of data and analytics and you're in the system, they can come and keep calling back and saying, hey, we want you back, we want you back, we want yeah, you back. Yeah, and again, just really landing that first, I guess we'll say big tech company name, you know, I think in this point, I was really happy I did a lot of tech and contract work because mm -hmm. at that time when you're always looking for gigs, I would always throw out my resume and all these other things, you know, I think that really helped with the callbacks Granted, a lot of times it was, again, contract to maybe full-time XYZ, um, so that was the cadet. But, uh, yeah, once you have those names on there, like, it just it comes becomes much more easy, or just easier, I think, to get noticed than I remember in the beginnings. Yeah, absolutely. So then when, you know, this go-around at Facebook, when that contract ends, then... What kind of goes after that? Yeah, and that one actually didn't end. I, um, I got presented with an opportunity that was full-time and uh, not contract rather. And uh, I, I got in, I got it, it was the YouTube position. 
Um, oh, so we go right from Facebook to YouTube. Talk about yeah. it. Um, this role, I guess, is more similar to my first time at Facebook. And uh, I think that experience really translates well into this role, particularly so of like leading vendor teams and scaling processes. Uh, and we do use data to monitor eye quality and select what are the best metrics for us to lean into. Uh, and there's a lot of, you know, partner support, which I guess <laughs> kind of leads into the last Facebook one. It was lots of partner um, escalations. Uh, so it, it, I think it all just sums up of what I've been doing or had been doing in this one role. And uh, I think just being direct now, there's just even more development opportunities in the way Google is. And I'll say Facebook to some extent. Um, to learn other things and like extra development. Um, so, uh, you know, I've been doing this role for almost two years now and I'm looking for more because at this point I've, I've built up so much technical skill. I'm I just, I've been curious about how far to take it. Again, still not necessarily having that um, hardcore tech specific role um, but all this stuff that I've studied. So, uh, I'm looking to venture into that more. And, um, here I've gone into a couple, um, I guess competitive, you could say programmings. And, uh, right now I'm a software engineer rotator technically. Um, okay. I don't know why I said technically with that. <laughs> uh, and so everything is so technical. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So I've been, you know, I did a boot camp some a year ago or so. I done some data certifications in the past, and um, just working through this program to hopefully move over full time to engineering world. Um, I guess take that data and just like um, that programming skills to the next level. It's great. It's great, and you know, very rarely do we see someone and, and you talked about this in the beginning of having to navigate all of this space obviously as a as a black woman but very rarely do you see a creative such as yourself like a classically trained creative make a switch like this to to dive into the numbers and the data piece <laughs> you know you, a lot of times what do we see we see people that have the data piece but they've got that creative itch mm, yeah so, they so it is amazing how you've been able to carbon create this this great career out of something that has this this technical side to it, you're really pulling out the technical side of the music piece that you did, because obviously being a classically trained pianist, you have to be very technical in your work and, and go about that. So, you know, I'm curious, can we just speak to you navigating this, you know, as a as a black woman and kind of what's that experience been like for for you? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, sometimes I think in some ways I may have had it easier than some other black women coming into the tech space or trying to be an engineer because now that we're like oversaturated in the music space, but I think compared to some other disciplines, 
at least in the very beginning, I could see more familiar faces. As I press more into tech and as I press more into more technical roles, <laughs> I can see <laughs> just as much as my career has progressed, <laughs> uh, the number of Black people I see has, I guess, diminished, you could say. <laughs> Um, so, you know, like you said, it's interesting how people try to go from creative to more, or data centric to more creative. I, I feel like I'm an opposite as far as like, when it comes to spaces right. of diversity and, you know, it definitely does have its challenges and it's when you sit down and reflect on it, it's odd, but I think I think at times when I think about this or have thought about it in the past, I think sometimes it's, I'm disciplined to have blinders on, you know, um, I was that person, you know, that was the only black woman by person in the piano class, you know, <laughs> I had so many situations where I was the only black girl that I, I don't want to say I forget that I'm black, but like, it is now such a norm for me to be in such spaces and it's right. uncomfortable but i think unlike when i was younger and maybe even more timid and fearful i'm at the point i just don't i want to say i don't care about diversity but like i don't give it f if you don't want me in a room you know what i mean <laughs> right. you're gonna be there regardless and take up as much space as right you want. exactly like i've been here before you know <laughs> I and I think this also just comes with a little bit more maybe experience under your belt like like I feel like at times it's not I know it's going to take more for you to knock me off my game or even to get rid of me you know and at that point I'm just like focused on what I'm I'm doing um mm -hmm. so it is odd because like of course, it would be nice to have a colleague who maybe chit chat with or whatever that's close by, you know. But I, I think on a day to day about um, being the only one, I can't say like I re sit, take time to really reflect on what it that means. Um, that said, I do recognize that like <laughs> once I move full time as a software engineer, you know, I'm joining like one of the what would be like one percent at google right, right. <laughs> you know i think i'm wearing a sweatshirt well, i am one percent, you know <laughs> i am the one the real one right exactly <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it, it's a challenge but i'm excited you know another thing i guess i what makes me proud about it or not proud to be the only one but like gives me encouragement to do better. My mom's an electrical engineer. And uh, one, <laughs> still not that many black engineers. And it definitely wasn't that many in the 80s and 90s, you know, uh, when she was starting her career. And uh, she was telling me some geek talk um, recently, which is like, you know, electrical engineer is like really something. A lot of people have their mechanical or some other engineer discipline not to come for them, but like the electrical one, it's a big thing. And uh, she's actually going for a, a role and particularly a higher level. She's back at GM right now. And she's like, you know, I think she said there's not really been any electrical engineers, black women electrical engineers at this level, you know? So like, mm. 
you know, we're still, she's, I guess what I'm saying is like in a way, in her own way, uh, breaking ceilings, you know, and I think that kind of inspires me to do it the same, you know, I guess who better than I, <laughs> it, you can almost say that it runs in a family at this point. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So that's almost, that's a perfect segue to the next question. And I've only got two more mm -hmm. for you, but this question, now this can be about business, life, anything. What are you curious about right now? Mm. Yeah. I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is So, yeah, this is my own personal thing of liking data and stuff like that. But, yeah, I used to play a lot of video games, watch a lot of anime, that type of person, too. And oh, excellent. I, I even worked my thesis on this, um, like immersive technologies in the music industry. I am curious about just all immersive experiences. So like AR, VR. And I would say that's also what motivates me to become more familiar with the technical. Um, I would love for one day to help bring new musical experiences new to the world, you know, like, you know, in a city, sometimes they have like notable nightlife people. <laughs> I guess if I want to like dream and be somebody, I would love to be that nightlife person that you know, you recognize to bring you like some type of virtual experience when it comes to music, you know, <laughs> like when you hear my name, you think like <laughs> Live Nation meets the Oculus meets like having Garner, you know, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? <laughs> like the total, yeah. whatever the freak that looks like. <laughs> Does this, I mean, this sounds like something that you know, as we move to a more of a, a Web3 experience, sound like something you want to explore in that world. Definitely, um, definitely. So I'm curious about that, becoming an engineer, um, actually thinking about higher education to that extent to maybe one day create my own thing, you know, um, and mix in what I know about the music industry, what I love, you know, maybe I don't need to produce the music myself, but I, I do really enjoy helping to enable creators to get their work out there, helping others to, as I always told myself to listen and not just listen from the, like, I hear you, but like really listen, I think, especially in a short um, attention span, you know, people don't take care to sit down and listen. And I think uh, immersive technologies could be a way to get people back into the music and not just necessarily a passive manner. Um, but I also understand that we have a lot of work to because at the same time, not everybody wants to go sit to a classical concert per se, right? They want to be involved. Right. And so like, how can we meet them and also introduce them to something new? Come on, this has been great. I only have one more question for you. And I'm going to ask this of everyone that I interviewed okay. as my final question. Okay. If you could go back and talk to yourself on the first day that you started the program. Music business, okay. Yep, the music business program. What would you say to yourself? Hmm. Hmm. First day. Dang. Um. I don't know. Uh, maybe like 
take risks or continue to take risks. I think um, yeah, I think take risks, I guess, or maybe I think I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, I think I was so worried about graduating a program as we should, but um, it's still a big time of discovery. And I think I discovered a lot, but I was also very anxious. So maybe not necessarily take risks, but like, um, it's okay that you're taking risks. <laughs> You know, and maybe going back to that live scene, maybe even lean a little more into like, not just attending live people, but making that work with people who produce shows or whatnot. Because, you know, that was a time for like, if we were going to do an internship or some free work to do it, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> no, I mean, no, that's great. And I think, I mean, the, the program in and of itself is, and the business we're in is about taking certain mm -hmm. risks. So we have um, a better constitution about that even when we're starting i think it'll allow us to be more engaged and not be fearful yeah. and be open to, to possibilities yeah. absolutely um everyone that is jalon brown uh, jalon thank you for your time this has been a great conversation i i really appreciate you coming on the show yeah thank you for having me and taking some time to listen <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah to take care um everyone thank you for tuning in to you know this episode and you can follow me at bryce b88 on twitter and i will be bringing you more episodes and i will see you soon until then take care and be well Thanks for listening to this episode of People from the Program. Be sure to check us out anywhere you listen to your podcasts and stay tuned for future episodes of the show. 